Welcome to episode 182 of Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South. On today's episode, we discuss Florida State's Board of Trustees meeting, the Iowa betting scandal. We spin Wheelie Taggart to figure out one thing we want to see from teams in fall camp. We discuss the Big Ten rumors and finish up with an uncensored moment of the week. And at the end of the show, we interview message board geniuses. Great interview with Chris there. You can find this show on our website, SaturdayDownSouth.com and Apple and Spotify. During the season, join us for the live recording of the show every Sunday at 8 Eastern time on the Saturday Down South YouTube page. Find clips from the show on Twitter, at SatDownSouth and at SatFBUncensored. On Instagram and TikTok, at SaturdayDownSouth. Find us on YouTube at SaturdayDownSouth. And now, here's the show. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me as always, my co-host, Chris Marler. Chris, we are back for another episode. We're two, two a week, baby. We're, we are in the swing of things. I'm fired up, man. It's, it's August now, which is like... God, so there's, fucking... there's football this month. There's football this month. I was very, I was very pissed at, like, Gordy did this, and I know he was kidding, but, like... Anybody that responded to a post about like, oh, there's football this month with like, yeah, but here's the game slate, dude. It sucks. I was like, but like we're at the point of the season now. I watched 2016 Georgia, Tennessee last night because it was on TV. I would gladly watch San Jose State and fucking Rutgers if I had to and probably figure out the best betting options for that game, too. So I, you're not going to slow me down. I'm excited. I'm very excited. Well, um, there's still some peak off-season things going on right now, um, <laughs> mainly conference realignment. We won't spend too much time on it because it feels like we talk about it almost every episode now. But new stuff keeps happening, so we have to keep talking about it. I was going to say, like, it bothers me because it's like it, that's it's been seem like such like a, a conversation filler for a lot of the off-season, like in like I don't know May, June, and now it is like. It seems like every day something even bigger and newer happens. At some point, like it's all just going to happen. I think in one day, like it, it, it's just all the dominoes are going to fall, and it'll just be there. I, the main story though is your alma mater, and FSU, and apparently Drew Weatherford, who is a yeah. <laughs> what is he? What does he do? So it's a, it's a board. He's on the board of trustees at Florida State. So it's not just over athletics. It's over. Like, and this was a regularly scheduled board of trustees meeting and the first 40 minutes of it, they've had the most people, uh, I think there's 44 subscribers to the YouTube channel where they normally run these things live and nobody ever watches, but there was over a thousand people watching and they're discussing like taking on grants from the state for like the medicals, you know, just like all this educational stuff. (laughs) And then at the very end, um, everyone got what they were waiting for, which was the president basically stepped in and was, you know, it was clear that this was planned and, you know, the whole board of trustees knew what was coming, but he basically stepped in and said, look, um, it's gotten to the point now we've been working on this over a year where, you know, essentially if things don't drastically change in the ACC, which we're not confident they will, or, uh, we, we know they won't, uh, then we have to seriously look at leaving the conference. 
And then the board, of, and then, you know, as I guess as part of the decorum of a board of trustees meeting, you have to go around and if anyone wants to say anything about it, you know, they can. And so yeah. Drew Weatherford happens to sit on the board of trustees. So he started and he like went from the player angle and he's like, you know, do we want to play football games or do we want to compete for national championships? Because, and he starts throwing out all this math. You know what's crazy? Me and Drew Weatherford actually were friends. And, and when I was at Florida State, he was the quarterback there. I have so many questions because I know he's like our age and I don't even know how you yeah. get that fucking job at that age. But like, yeah, I, yeah, go, go on. He, he's uh he's a sharp dude. And like his whole, yeah. he's got all these brothers. One's like a, I think I got in the house of representatives in Florida. He's got one that's like a venture capitalist. Like, yeah, there it's a, it's a pretty strong family and he's a sharp dude. Right. But yeah, we were in the business school together. So uh, this is, it's pretty funny to see him on there, but um. Yeah, so he went in and he was basically he did all the math and he was like, Look, he's like, We're thirty million dollars. Once this all these new TV contracts kick in for the Big Ten and the SEC, we're gonna be thirty million dollars per year behind those schools. And that's just for one year. Multiply that by thirteen, which is by what you know, essentially million. you'll get yeah, for the next thirteen years. That's because the grant of rights for the ACC doesn't run out till twenty thirty six. Um and basically they went around and everyone on the board of trustees was in heavy agreement that, you know, they want to look out for Florida State first. That's what they're yeah, as the fiduciary. That's their role is to look out for the school yeah. above themselves or anything else. And they all agreed that they need to leave the AC. Now, they didn't vote on it, but right. it seems like it's going that way. Now, there's just a question of, is this a huge gamble by Florida State to do this? Because do they have an offer in hand? No one would ever say that because... The SEC they or do. the Big Ten would get hit with tampering. So you, so, right. but these things are already working in the back in the back channels. Like, there's just no way that this right. hasn't already been discussed. And and like they're smart enough, like you said, to where it's like, I'll, give, I'll tell you what, I'll give you the worst example possible that 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 comes to mind immediately. Bo Nix at twelve oh one announcing his first NIL deal, right? Like right, like right. this is going to have already been worked out, and they're because you're not going to make that big of a move without like. Going right. through all of like, the proper channels and also like vetting out to see if this is the best decision. The main question I had, like the AC, they are going to leave the ACC and they should. Yeah. And I love the fact that like it got me fired up, and I'm not even an FSU guy. It got me fired up to like the way they were talking about it was like, let's get back. I mean, like it feels like they want to get back to what FSU was. And I will yeah. say this: I, I usually shit on this comment. That's like when people say it about Tennessee and some other teams, I don't really care about it. I do think college football is better when FSU is good. And and I think that yeah. like a lot of us that are our age, maybe a little bit younger, maybe, I don't know, between 32 to 42, they watched FSU dominate unlike any other team we've ever seen for a full decade, way more than Bama right. had. I know the national title numbers, but way more than Bama had. I think it's good for college football. They move. My surprise and my question to you is the rumors going to the Big Ten shocked me. Yeah, so um... – from what I've been hearing, the Big Ten, part of it might be, well, as we've discussed, kind of, uh, well, the Big Ten really wants us. And if you're the SEC, are you going to let the Big Ten get a hold of Florida, the state? Because right. they don't have a foothold there. And um, you don't want the Big Ten basically taking Clemson, Florida State, amongst others, and getting into the South, taking the recruits, right. that kind of thing. So I think ultimately, like the power players, I think there's a lot of big boosters, obviously, and fans that want to go to the SEC. Yeah, I think the Big Ten is a very, on the academic side as well, is a very good conference. 
Um, and, uh, they, I mean, when when it comes to TV contracts, I mean, certainly they definitely rival the sec. I mean, they're, they're, they're better than the sec right now. The next one's going to be a billion. Mm -hmm. So it's, and the president has to make the final say on this. And I know that academically, like it would give, from what I've understood, it would give us access to a lot of uh, grant money for research and all that kind of stuff. So I think the the rumors of the of the Big Ten are true, and I think the Big Ten would be happy to get into the South and right. take Florida State and Clemson. I mean, that would be a huge win for them. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I find it funny that there's a lot of beat writers that are out there that are like, you know, Florida State they they don't have an offer from any of these conferences. Like, this is a huge risk. I'm like, they can't have an offer from the conferences. Right, it, it would be tampering. So. And let's be real, like if, if this is happening and we're already starting to see now, we'll talk about this later, rumors of the Big Ten kind of tr- try to jump in on Oregon, Washington, maybe Sanford and Cal. That, that part makes no weird sense. Then, yeah. Well, the academic side for sure does, but I mean, I don't know. Give me um, one benefit of getting Cal in that conference. Give me one benefit. Like no, there's, there's – yeah. There's just not. I think it's all like, smoke screens. I think – yeah, and I mean, um, who knows who put that out there, by the way? I mean, because, right. you know, Bud Elliott, who's a Florida State guy, but he works for CBS now, too. Um, he put out a tweet. He retweeted that that rumor, and he was like, look, if you're a, a fan of a certain school, you would definitely want this to come out to put even more pressure on other members of the ACC. Because I think yeah. what Florida State's ultimately trying to do, apparently, if they can get seven teams to basically jump from the ACC right. say we're getting out of here, then the grant of rights dissolves, right. which would be the best for Florida State, obviously. Um, so I think they're putting it on notice that they are very aggressively looking at leaving. And it's not bad to hear that the Pac-12 or Pac-10 or Pac-8, wherever the hell it is now, is completely dissolving yeah. and it'll get movement going. But I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting. I, it feels like things are happening quickly. It does. It, it does. And I, I feel like it's cool to see, not just because it's you and you're one of my good friends and, and, and went to Florida State and, and all that kind of stuff. It's cool. It kind of feels like if this deal gets done before the first game of the season, that's the prime opportunity for Florida State. Because right now, I, I don't know what happens in game one at LSU. I don't even know if it really matters impact-wise. But right now, you arguably are going to have the, the biggest un- uh, what's the best way to put it? Like unbreakable momentum. Like you ha- you don't play a game where you could possibly lose anything yeah. like that. Like you don't have players that are going to transfer. You don't have a coach that's going to leave. You don't have there's, – there's one sport that's about to happen and the whole like college sports world is focused on that. I don't think there's a better time for Florida State to necessarily have like the all eyes on them. And if we're being honest, I understand what Clemson's done in football. Clemson's not the baseball program that they used to be. Basketball right. is is average at best. They had they were yeah. ranked for part of the year, and I don't think they even made the tournament this year. Um, but Florida State, from a baseball standpoint, how they were in basketball, and if you become the only Big Ten school in the state of Florida, that's huge. Like, yeah. and and I think that when you look at the three biggest teams you want to get out of that conference, Miami, Clemson, and Florida State. And Florida State is by far the one that's most valuable from a year, like a full calendar year basis. Yeah the the um, 
the chair of the board of trustees actually did an interview with the on three Florida state website last night. And, uh, he said that just on, not from TV contracts, but he said, but just on budget or revenue brought in by athletics alone, if you remove all the TV contract money from all the, the schools in the sec, all in the big 10 Florida state would be fourth in each conference and revenue right. generated. So they're, they're, they would be a big win for either conference. Um, and I'll tell you what, man, like I, I'm sure there's probably like, I, I'm sure Florida's sitting there thinking, I don't want Florida state having access to 30 million more a year that we get that they don't, whether it's yeah. the big 10 or the sec, like right. a fully functional, like Florida state with money in their pocket for the first time. Uh, I mean, that could be hell for people, uh, on the recruiting trail in the state. So, yeah. um, it's gonna be fun to watch, man. I mean, it's definitely sad to see the old football go away, but I mean, this could end up being way better. You know, I mean, think about all the matchups that talk about watching Clemson go into Michigan or yeah. Florida state, go to USC. I mean, just regular season matchups like that. You're just like, man, I cannot believe this is a conference game. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of cool. I mean, yeah, and we don't need to get into it, but also like Florida State, USC, and the Rose Bowl. That's like, I mean, that's must see TV for me. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, Florida State, USC, and the Coliseum, my bad. But either way. Um, all right, let's move on yeah. to another subject that we have not talked a lot about. We, we've kind of lacked on, we've been lacking on the gambling content. Yeah. Which is probably my fault. Probably just trying to, Uncle Chris made some some healthy choices in the offseason to not be not be throwing money around at gambling as much, but we're about to say bye-bye to that because it's almost football season. Um, and also we're so good at it, but somebody, yeah. uh, this came out, this has been like a, a consistent concern from a lot of coaches. A lot of commissioners have brought this up. Sankey brought it up like right off the bat. I don't, I don't think it's anything that I was either dismissive or overly concerned about on either side when it first came out. But if you didn't think it was going to be a problem, it's clearly going to be a problem. The gambling side of having so many states legalize gambling and have it being a part of the college game, it's going to be way worse than, than it, like some of the stuff you've seen in the NFL. You've seen how, some, how bad and drastic and dramatic some of like the suspensions have been in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are kids. These are kids that make bad decisions because they're fucking 18 to 22 I don't even think about this part, but you got alcohol everywhere. Like, I, I just can't imagine how, how quickly I would have been in, like, a news story if I was this kid. But the news that came out today, there's a couple of stuff about Iowa State and Iowa. Iowa legalized gambling last year, I guess, and and they – or maybe it had, had been. But there were several players for both teams that had gotten in trouble. And then you come to find out that the Iowa kicker bet on an Iowa football game. And he is in trouble. There's so many parts of this story that I love. And I just want to get into all of it. Well, the Iowa State starting quarterback is in trouble. Um, he like basically used his mom's information to sign up for like a DraftKings sportsbook account and place a bunch of bets. And so the same a with lot the kicker. Of, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of problems there just with that in general. Right. Um, but yeah, he you know he's accused of the Iowa State quarterbacks accused of betting on more than two dozen Iowa State events, including you know Iowa State football games. Yeah, um, they're the kicker you mentioned for Iowa bet bet on the Iowa Iowa State under, which is a real problem considering like I don't know how big of a bet this guy's making. In fact, 
Well, I'm gonna I think you, the accusation. Go ahead. I think the accusation on um, Aaron, uh, the kicker, was 170 bets for $4,400 total. Which is a average of $25.88 per bet. So he was probably betting. So, I mean, I, I doubt the guy's going to be entering a game to kick a field goal and, and miss it on purpose to win, like, 50 bucks. So he's a backup quarterback. Maybe, maybe he would. <laughs> he's a backup quarterback. Sometimes you really need fifty bucks, dude. You don't know what kind of shit this kid's going through. Um, he's a yeah. he's a non scholarship player, so there's there's more of a reason to to think it could be an issue because it wasn't like he had you know might need some money coming in. Um, first favorite part of this is the kid's name is Aaron Blom. I'm assuming it's pronounced Bloom, but in every typical Big Ten way possible, they did yeah. something to fuck up the last name. It's it's B L O M, just Blom. Just yeah. it just sounds like someone's overgrown belly button. That's all that sounds like. Um, he was using his mom's name. He's now twenty one, but he was using his mom's name. Um, it says they have court documents confirming his mom knowingly consented. So good for her. That's I mean that's just mother son bonding. Seems like hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just where's my cut, bro? Um, he bet on the point <laughs> total of the twenty twenty one Iowa versus Iowa State game. This is this is my favorite part, though. Okay. Do you know what the total was? I know that game is always low scoring, so I bet it was in the 30s. It was it was 45 total points. Okay. Right. The final score was 27 to 17. You want to run the numbers on that? <laughs> 44 total points. Yeah, it's a fucking it. genius. Send him to Vegas. Yeah. If this doesn't work out, go handicap games, bro. Um yeah. Also, I love the fact that, like... Did he miss any kicks in that game? He did not. But Iowa State missed a 45-yard field goal with 31 seconds left. Hmm. You know what would be awesome? You know what would be awesome is, like... I mean, actually, it wouldn't be. I just I just get this, like, vision of, like, somebody running, like, a black market underground, like, 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 picks, like, YouTube channel. And it's just players that are, like, fucking... <laughs> behind the scenes like let me tell you what's really going on right now um well dude there's the, did you see this the video that came out of the iowa state quarterback he was like hammered at a bar so someone like was on snapchat and he was hammered at a bar betting some girl 500 dollars on something and at the very end like she goes to put it down and like some dude steps in and he goes don't put that out though because it's kind of illegal and then the, and the video just cuts out <laughs> what was he betting her it was about I don't know he was it was like some sort of athletic feat it sounded like they were about to like go outside and he was betting five hundred dollars that he could do something. So I bet you five hundred dollars can't hit you in the chest with this pass. Just yeah. like that's wow. we, so we're we're gonna be previewing the Big Twelve this week. Um and like what do you do with Iowa State? Like their starting quarterback may just like not be playing now. So yeah. be interesting. Yeah, that is gonna be interesting. Um. The other half of that that whole scandal, obviously, was Iowa. Um, and we'll get to our, our, our next segment here, which is the uncensored moment of the week. Um, we I've been talking about this on Sunday, but I'm glad we did it because on Monday I got a text from one of my good buddies. This is a throwback, okay? The, the uncensored moment of the week is okay. about Michigan meal prep. And the last weekend we talked about how it was all these recruiting visits and stuff like that. Um, 
and the recruiting stuff was like you had like Big Cat Weekend, you had Brill in the Ville, you had the Champions Cookout, I think at Bama, stuff like that. So basically, it's just like you get a bunch of the recruits in, you do a bunch of fun shit all weekend. Um, and every single one of these involved a meal of some sort. Okay. Before we go anywhere, I want to remind every fucking program that was running one of these, I want to remind all of you that the team that has won back to back national championships. Georgia is spending $4.5 million a year, which is over $1.2 million more than anyone else. And Nolan Smith was like one of the first people to come out. He's like, bro, we got a chef in-house. We have a restaurant in the facility. We have lobster and steak every fucking day. Okay? Now, I know that Jim Harbaugh is um, – hold on. Recruit meal. Uh, I know that he has tried to emulate some of their, their program to be more like Georgia because he said they added a, a beat Georgia period. Yep. What was posted here was not, not that. This was some recruit. I can't remember who it was, but he posted this this picture on Instagram, and it said University of Michigan Stadium, and it's just a plate that has four chicken tenders that are clearly frozen, clearly frozen chicken tenders, some macaroni and cheese, which looks fine. The mac and cheese looks fine. Um, a cookie that is clearly store bought, just a just a shitty generic chocolate chip cookie, and then a hot dog with no ketchup, no mustard, which is like the worst. Like a, a hot dog without anything on it is not appealing. It's like a flaccid dick pic, basically, but for food. It's like it it is not something you want to be a part of. I'll tell you what's even more offensive than any of this shit, by the way, is this. Right here on the side, we, we put it up on the live, on the video. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it. Um, Tyler, that's not real silverware. That is clearly plastic, shiny, silver-coated silverware. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen those. It's awful. That is, like, that is like a middle school lunch. That, at most. At best. Maybe elementary. Yeah. And now, here's the thing. The funny part about this is because it went everywhere, okay? It went everywhere. Do you remember, shit, this is six years ago now, when we first started doing the podcast. Yeah, the, the comments are incredible. Um, the We first started doing the podcast, and we had my friend Tyler Del Duca on to do fantasy yeah. football, okay? Yeah. So Tyler's still one of my good buddies, um, one of my best friends. He texts me. He's from Flint, Michigan. So I get a text from him Monday morning at 10.26 a.m. And it's just a picture of my tweet. And I, I, I quote tweeted a picture of this, and I, of the meal. And I said, I've seen a lot of hate on this culinary masterpiece today. A lot of you have never been single in your 30s, and it shows. Okay? Um, I thought that was a good tweet. Thank you. I was excited. So Tyler sends me this message. One of my very close friends is a cook and a chef and the most diehard Michigan fan you will ever meet. He just got his dream job two weeks ago, which is to cook for all of UM's athletes. And sure enough, two weeks in, his food just went viral because this was his plate, LMAO. And I just wrote, oh, no. He said, ha, 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 I know. To his defense, there was a bunch of other food. These recruits just eat like first graders. But I got to say, after everything I saw and everything we gave him shit about, your tweet was probably the nicest because it was ruthless for 24 hours just a small town kid from michigan living his dream and just getting absolutely eviscerated on the internet 
<laughs> I was I was dying, just dying. That's that's really good. Wow, yeah. not good for the kid though. I feel bad. for No, him. no, no, no. He um, yeah, that's yeah. Anyway, so but it was a funny story. Small world. We love Tyler, um, and we hope that kid is uh, you know, in therapy or I don't know, Culinary Institute of America because that's a tough. That was a tough scene. Um. <laughs> And you know what's sad is like I fully believe like somebody that works in the restaurant industry for a long time, I fully believe that this kid like it's a, that's a, such a cool opportunity if it's a real story that he's like this is his like his favorite team he got his dream job that's really awesome. Imagine showing up to your dream job and they're like, all right, listen, we need a, we need two hundred hot dogs, and and go ahead and get in the freezer and go ahead and thaw out these fucking eight hundred chicken tenders that are gonna look like shit. This is your first this is your first job. Yeah, it's like he's like, dude, I'm a chef. Like, uh, I'm not just like a, a recruit's dad that's gonna hop on the grill and throw on some, right. some hot dogs and you want throw cheese? some chicken tenders in the microwave. Uncle Terry, Uncle Terry, you want cheese on that? Um. Anyway, <laughs> that is the answer for the week. Let's get into the last part before we get into our interview, and that is the return of our good friend. We call it Willie Nelson, or we call it Wheelie Taggart. I think I think we go Wheelie Taggart. Okay. Only because of the football. But we're going to spin the wheel of death for Wheelie Taggart. And this theme is going to be um, fall camp just started for a majority of of teams across the country. Um, So here's one thing that we're looking forward to that we want to see. We're excited to see whatever from fall camp for several teams from around the country. Spin that fucking wheel, Tyler. We have to decide now how many we actually want to do. We're doing all of them. We're doing all of them. We'll just make it quick. We'll see it. Let's let's get in. Let's do at least ten. Okay. All right. Our first one is Notre Dame. Thank God. I thought it was about to be Florida State, by the way, which was going to be tough. <laughs> it was. I was going to walk off the fucking set. Um, okay, Notre Dame. What I'm excited to see at Notre Dame: Sam Hartman and Sam Hartman only. Um, yeah. That I just want to know. Like, obviously, he was good enough to to win the starting job immediately. People forget how good of a quarterback he is. And the other thing about Sam Hartman, too, that's really surprising, because he was, like, mentioned – I feel like he was in – for the first half of the season, he was in the top tier of college quarterbacks that we talk about all the time from around the country. Wake Forest was playing really well. He was the – I think he's the ACC all-time leading um, – uh, what do you call it? Record holder for touchdown passes um, in a career. He was he's a really good starting quarterback. There are rumors oh, yeah. that SEC teams might have offered up to five million dollars or at him and Drake May um going into the season. He goes to Notre Dame. He's obviously good enough to win the job because Tyler Buckner transferred to Alabama, much to my dismay. But yeah, I just want to see what this offense looks like when they have a quarterback because that's that's been an offense that has struggled a lot with like injuries at that position. What does the offense look like with Sam Hartman? Also, they dropped those green jerseys for the Ohio State game and they look fucking dope. Yeah, man, I I'm a Notre Dame could be a sneaky team. I don't think that they've been covered a ton this year um, in the off season that I've seen, and they went nine and four last year in Marcus Freeman's first year, and he's gonna have a better team this year with just because of Hartman in general. Uh, yeah. but they have a really good running game. Um, they return you know two of their top three rushers, um, and um, you know as far as what I'm looking for in camp is just you know. I don't know at at Notre Dame 
like who's going to be the receiver because it was like it was that tight end michael mayer for the longest time yeah. it was like kind of their threat he's gone and i don't i can't remember the last time they had a good receiver it's been a couple years so That's who's going like, to stand out in the receiver core to help hartman because actually you know wake had like sneaky good receivers like they still right. do even the hartman's Dorch. gone um yeah at perry last year was really good for them so um yeah it'll be interesting to see who steps up at receiver for notre dame yeah i like that all right spin it there used to be sound but i don't know what happened yeah you mean to make a sound Ooh, tennessee I don't. Here's here's one thing I want to say right now. The way this thing is set up, it's it comes up when, once it lands on something. It says we have a winner, and then it shows the team name. And so the first two things that have come up are we have a winner, Notre Dame. We have a winner, Tennessee. And I don't like either one of those things. What do okay. I want to see from Tennessee? I want to see if Brew McCoy or Squirrel White or both are able to like be Bolitnikov level types of receivers for that offense. Jalen Hyatt last year obviously was. Um, they they should arguably have more depth at that position. The other thing I want to see is is the defense going to make an improvement or if it even fucking matters. Um, I'm actually most excited to see Nico. I don't know how to say his name. Yeah, Tungo Bailoa. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, because. Well established on this pod, at least for me, and I think for you. Not impressed with Joe Milton. I know, like in the off season when he's been doing these, like I'm going to throw it 90 yards in camp, and I'm going to be playing in shorts and seven on seven. He's right. he looks strong, but unless he's developed a ton in the in the off season, um, I, I've never seen him play in a game and been like this is this is a guy that's going to lead a team. And so I wonder how good. Yeah, but I mean, kind of. you know, bowl, bowl games are bowl games. Like, I don't know. Right. Um, um, real quick, the other thing I wanted to say about him that we we haven't talked about at all is Darnell Wright is gone. You're, you have a yeah. first-round tackle that's gone. Right. So, and he holds on to the ball too long, takes a lot of sacks. Yeah. I, I just I want to see how good Nico is because, I mean, he was, I mean, very well thought of coming off five-star, obviously. I feel like in that offense, yeah, you know, yeah, I feel like in that offense, a a true freshman could play. So if he looks really good, like, I mean, Tennessee starts out a little weak on offense to start the year. Maybe all this offseason talk about Joe Milton being the guy and like Nico's the guy in week three, you know, so I just want to see how good he is in camp. There's a path to it being like where the way that schedule is set up, you play South Carolina, you play Florida, Florida's on the road. You get South Carolina at home. I've mentioned the UTSA game, and I'll say it again. But there's a very real chance. I don't. I'm not saying it'll happen. But if they're three and two, going into the month of of October, with with average at best quarterback play, yeah, I could see. I could easily see Nico um, getting the chance to, to start. All right, what's next? Sounds like a phone ringing. Wisconsin. 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 Uh, this is simple. Phil Longo. Yeah. 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 I'm just excited to see what, um, what's his face? New coach from Cincinnati. Oh, Luke Fickle. Why am I losing his name? Yeah. Luke Fickle. 
Yeah. Really respect him as a coach. I'm just interested to see how different Wisconsin looks from the – it feels like the same Wisconsin team that we've seen, program we've seen for the last 20 years. Right. Just good defense. You know, Jim Leonard's not there anymore. Where did I see Jim Leonard just signed with? Uh, no clue, actually. Probably shouldn't know that. I'll look that up. Um, it wasn't Bama. So it's just a totally different program now for the first time in a while. And I, uh, yeah. Illinois. Jim, Jim Leonard got signed by Illinois. I tell you what's going to be very weird to see. And I'm not saying it's going to be good or bad. But I love Phil Longo. I love the offenses he's had. But that is a pass-happy offense everywhere he's been. It was at Ole Miss. It was at UNC. It's going to be very odd to look up and see – Five three hundred and thirty pound offensive linemen pass protecting forty times a game, and like looking up and seeing like snow falling at Camp Randall, and and somebody dropping back and throwing a fucking sixty yard bomb. Because I don't. I, all jokes aside, I I don't know if I can think of a single Wisconsin highlight in my lifetime that was like a sixty yard go route and just hit somebody. I'm sure it's happened. I I don't think I've ever seen it. It's always like. Hey, Wisconsin's got the ball in the second quarter. It's a 10-3 game. They gave it to whatever running back is going to get 300 carries this year, and he takes it for 75 yards, and they end up blowing him out 48-7. Yeah, I, I just – yeah, like it's a totally different mindset, and that's that's kind of an interesting thing to think about for the year one. Like the kind of guys that Wisconsin recruits on the O-line doesn't seem like that would fit well with a Phil Longo offense. Yeah, we'll see. So – Got to be, got to be. So Oregon is the next one. Yeah. Um, for me, it's just how good can Bo Nix be this year? Like, I'm really excited to see that. Um, you know, Dillingham, the guy who, you know, not only did he fix Bo Nix, but he he had a lot of credit in fixing Jordan Travis at Florida State. He's yep. now the Arizona State head coach. Um, so you know, does Bo Nix like he took a step back? So when Kenny Dillingham was first at Auburn. And that was when Bo Nix had his best year. And then he fell off. Yeah. And then he fell off after that. And then he teamed back up with Kenny Dillingham last year, had another good year. So how does he look this year? And, like, if he looks even better than he did last year, we might be talking about, I don't know, first-round pick? That's what he's projecting at right now. And and let's let's not forget he's a former five-star. He's a good athlete. He is a guy that, like, could do well – against air at the combine and and run probably in like a four six area i talked to our good buddy josh hanch today from from dog stats um and, and twitter and everything like that and the in the football preview uh college football 2023 season preview him and i put together still available at dogstats.com make sure you guys still go check that out um but i was talking to him today and i was here here's what i'm most interested in it's it's bo nicks but it's how it relates to what he looks like as a pocket passer because one of the things Josh brought up was it's a 42 touchdown season last year, 27th of the air, 15 on the ground. Um, I thought he had a fantastic season and he looked like night and day different than he was at Auburn. But one of the things he said was a lot of that was you drop back. It's a one read and then tuck the ball and run for most of the season with Bo Nix. That's where his comfort zone was. That's what he did. You don't have a bunch of, you know, standouts at receiver or tight end. You have a good backfield. 
But that's an offensive line that gave up five total sacks a year ago. Five. Five total sacks in, in 12 or 13 games. That's insane to me. So what does he look like if, I don't know what they have returning, but I would guarantee you, you don't have back-to-back five-sack seasons from that offensive line. So what does it look like if he's under a little bit more duress this season? Is he able to still be the, the quarterback that we saw progress last year? So they have 96 career starts returning, which is Never very mind. good. Um, yeah. They got uh, a Johnny Cornelius who was – he's from Ro- – he went to Rhode Island College like for his yeah. first year, but he was the number one uh, tackle recruit in the portal this year. Nice. So um, they're going to be good again on the O-line. You look at their schedule, man. I mean, they're going to be 5-0 and going into – coming off of a bye, going to Washington October 14th. So you go Portland State at Texas Tech, Hawaii, Colorado at Stanford. At Texas Tech is not going to be easy. Not, it's not easy. I, I agree. I, I like Texas Tech. Yeah. But everything else you just said, it's like you can pretty much build – a lot of your off season around that game and prepping for it, whether the team knows it or not. Yep. So, I mean, and obviously the back half of the schedule is going to be tough. You go at yeah. Washington, at Utah, USC, but they could easily be five and zero, and looking at a being ranked very highly, uh, middle of October. Yeah. So can you hear the wheel? The wheel? Cause I can't, I can't, it sounds like somebody's calling. And it's freaking me out. Cause I watched scream six last night. By myself, thank you, like a man. Oh, oh boy. Uh, LSU. Um, How okay. healthy is Mason Smith? Yeah. I want to know that. That's what I'm looking forward to in camp, because if he is back to form, he's like one of the, he's going to be one of the best D tackles in the country. The dude is a monster. Yeah. He was the number one recruit coming out, um, and he tore his ACL in like the third play of the game against Forest State last right. year in the first game, so – so I remember because you called me, you were cheering about it. You were telling me how happy you were that he got hurt. Oh, that's no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, that, totally. That didn't happen, guys. Uh, um, but I mean, look, I, I, if you could, like, the offense we think is gonna be very good. Obviously, with Malik right. Neighbors, Jalen Daniels, and and if he somehow doesn't do well or he gets injured, I mean, Garrett Nussmeyer is gonna be a really good quarterback too. So, kind of yeah. shocked he's still there, to be honest. But I guess Walker Howard did did transfer out. Um, yeah, no, and I like that too that he that he's still there. They returned ten of eleven on offense. You get two really, you, you had two freshmen starting at both tackle positions that did really well in year one. Um, my only thing that I'm looking for is like, does the secondary get back to DBU type stuff? It like the, you brought in like this is something I looked at the other day, and, and I, I I briefly brought it up on here. Is it, it seems like on paper they got better everywhere. You get Smith back, like you said. I know you lose. Ojolari off the edge and, and stuff like that. But Mason's like, here's the thing. It, Harold Perkins is the best player on defense in the country, like hands down. And, and yeah, he was, it feels like we're going to be talking about him like we talked about Will Anderson. Yes, and with good reason. And he's also in a position where he can make more plays because of, of the position he plays and where he's going to be around in that defense. You know as well as I do, if you have somebody that's going to plug the middle, that's a middle linebacker's dream, man. And somebody playing in the middle of that defense that can be not only the, the quarterback of that defense and the captain of, of like make sure everyone's in place, you got another year under your belt, you, like the leadership part, people are going to fall in line under that kid just because of how good he is for one, but also like 
it'll be cool to see him take a leadership role. I just want to see what the secondary and the back seven look like because I think that the front seven is going to be really good. But giving up 35 points to Florida last year, getting kind of you know torched against A and M, it it does have the feel that they got better everywhere and they brought in some depth, man. They brought in some depth. The only other thing I can think of is is John Emery ever going to become a thing? I hope he does because you know I get excited about like like five star running backs are always fun um, and I feel like he's been there forever. But it's 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 always something that has limited him from from kind of taking the next step. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, um, that linebacker core is gonna be nasty for for LSU this year. Yeah. Do you like scary movies? Penn State. Ooh. Um, I mean, as far as camp is concerned, obviously, if you're a Penn State fan, and it's kind of been like always a what if once Drew Aller, Alar, Alar, uh, first quarterback, Ayler, Drew Ayler. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think it's Drew Alar. Um, once he becomes quarterback, we get to a new level. That's what you've been telling yourself. That's what a lot of people in the offseason are saying about Penn State. How's he looking? How does he look? In camp, is he confident? Is he the leader of the team? I mean, you got a really good back in Nick Singleton that I think can carry a lot of the load, but like he needs to be because you're coming off a guy that you had quarterback for like 10 years, yeah, at Penn State. So, I mean, this guy's gonna need to be good quickly. Um, and I just want to see how he looks in camp, but I mean, um, Sean Clifford seemed like he was there forever, and it's yeah. Sometimes it's, it's tough to replace that kind of that kind of uh, that leadership and knowledge of the playbook and things like that. So, um, quickly wrap that is how how good does he look? That's what I'm looking forward to. Same to me, or same for me. I want to see how good he looks because he has a chance. He's he's the highest ranked and most talented QB they've had come in since Hackenberg, and I understand what Hackenberg's um, career turned out like. It's a four year starter. It's a guy that was like the number one quarterback in the country coming out of high school. I don't think this is a kid that we've talked enough about. And I think that when you look up in October, when they're most likely undefeated going up against Michigan at home, I wonder if that kid, like, like are the lights going to shine too bright because we haven't seen him in that situation? Or is this a kid that is going to live up to like his potential and expectations? I don't know what he's got at receiver and tight end. I, it, I think they've got a lot of depth. They've got a lot of talent. And Penn State is a team that's like, I mean, we saw it in the Rose Bowl last year, what they did against a really good Utah defense that was, you know, riding high coming into that game. Um, and they kind of just, just dismantled them. So I, I, same thing for me is the quarterback, quarterback situation. Cause I think that there's like a chance that if he's good, that, and they can stop Blake Corum and stop the run decently at home, they might end up winning the big 10. Yeah. I think it's very possible. I mean, this is the, this is the year that they've been waiting for, I think in the Penn state fan base. All right. Let's say, so we do two more. Fine. We'll save the rest of these for next next episode. Yeah. Oh, what do you know? It's Alabama. It was uh, listen. Here's the thing, Tyler. It was gonna be Alabama, whether you <laughs> fucking like it or not. Um, what am I excited for? Let me just. I'm just so horny right now for Alabama football, and I don't know how else to describe it. But Josh Pate put out a video today about the joyless murder ball mentality they're going to have going into the season and i am just so excited i'm so excited what i'm looking forward to yes the quarterback situation of course but since everyone's going to talk about that 
I'm not. I want to know if Caden Proctor is going to start on that offensive line. Because you heard Saban say this at Media Days that he's going to start the best, like the best offensive line, like the best five that we have. I think it's going to be bully ball. That kid is 6'8, 330. I don't see how he doesn't start um, on that line. And then the other thing is I want to see if if we are going to have receivers that are able to help progress and grow and develop those, those quarterbacks. Are, are they going to have – like? because here's the thing. Bryce Young was the best quarterback in the country for two straight years and had, you know, number one overall draft pick, phenomenal generational quarterback. With J-Mo and Mechie, he was awesome. He was awesome. With fucking Slade Bolden and, and the tight end – Cameron Latou, it was not the same. So is Ja'Cory right. Brooks, a former five-star, going to live up to his billing in year three? Is, I don't even want to fucking say his name, but Jermaine Burton, is he going to be good? Isaiah Bond, is he going to take the next step? Malik Benson, you know, the number one Juco receiver, five-star. Like, are they going to be able to get back to, like, the rideouts that they had a couple of years ago? And I don't see anybody that's a Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle on that roster, but you got to have somebody that can go up and win you a 50-50 ball. Yeah, I, I, that's actually, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing Bama get back to that bully ball style of, of offense as well. Um, yeah. But it could be out of necessity, man, because I agree with you. It's like, uh, I'm looking here at the roster of the wide receivers and their names I remember from recruiting, but they're names that have not really showed out yet. And you're used right. to Bama having just a stable of receivers. And, you know, you've got, Ja'Cory Brooks had 674 uh, with eight TDs last year, which is a, a solid year. But I don't think you list Ja'Cory Brooks as one of these guys in the nation that is an electrifying playmaker. Same with Jermaine Burton. So right. I agree with you. I, the receiver the receiver stable is what I'm looking at the most in, in the fall camp. Yeah, and they lost, some, they lost Aaron Anderson to LSU as a top 50 player. They lost another kid to TCU, same type thing. They, they've got to get better there. All right, last one. TCU. TCU. As you just mentioned. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the portal. So, so, yeah. So, I mean, they lost Kendra Miller, which was like their their stud running back. They lost, obviously, Max Duggan, which was a Heisman finalist. Yeah. Um, they lose Quentin Johnson, who was a, just an absolutely sick receiver for them. So, you're replacing a lot. They had to go to the portal for a lot. They get Kendall Bryles. Uh, in the off season, oh, which is interesting, yeah. you team up Kendall Bryles with um with Sonny Dykes. I mean, that's a maybe. It's one of those things where that's an offense that might hum whoever's running it because I don't. Max Duggan wasn't necessarily a great player before last year, right. um. So I'm just interested to see basically who's replacing all those big names that they lost because, um, you know, once Texas and Oklahoma leave. TCU could be the best team in the league. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so if they, if they prove this year that like, Hey, it wasn't just Max Duggan and Kendra Miller and Quentin Johnson, this offense is going to be shredding people left and right. And we're going to be the Kings of the big 12. I mean, so I'm just really interested to, to look at that. I mean, uh, the guy that's coming in for at quarterback, I believe is the guy that Duggan beat out or he beat yep. out Duggan coming out of camp last year. And then Duggan replaced him and ended up finishing the year, obviously, having a great year. But um, what's his name? Ch- Chandler Morris, I think. Something that like sounds that. about right. Yeah. Chandler. I mean, 
for for me, TCU crazy story last year. Obviously, they were five and seven years before they go to the national championship game a year ago. They get their fucking tits ripped by by Georgia, obviously. But the other part is they they did a, a really good job in the portal for both coaches and for um for players. It's Trey Sanders. I mean, that kid, I think majority of why he's not ever lived up to his potential is because he got into a horrific, horrific accident where he had to be, you know, on life flight and, and, and flown to a hospital because he was like in the jaws of life to get him out of this this car that the crash that he was in. Um, but there's a couple of guys that that came from Bama that I want that were all highly rate rate recruits. Tommy Brock or Brockemeyer, the the offensive tackle. He was the top five player and the like overall and the number two tackle in the country. Trey Sanders is the number six overall player in the country, number one running back, you know, coming out of high school. And then whoever the receiver was, I, I forgot who it was, and it's Jojo escaping Earl. me right now. What? Jojo Earl. Jojo Earl. I really Jojo like Earl. Jojo Earl, mainly because of his name. But that kid's a, th- a kid, I think, yeah. in this offense, especially that could they could really make a difference and, and step in right away. He's a very good player, like in terms of like not just a receiver. But also in the return game, um, how does that? And how does how does Kendall Bryles? Here's the thing, man. Kendall Bryles has been a really good offensive mind, and he's done a really good job at Arkansas with those pieces. And I know they had Traylon Burks, and I know they had KJ Jefferson, and I know they had Rocket Sanders. But that's one receiver, that's one running back, and it's a quarterback that was there for a while. How is how does he? How does the offense look? With him and Sonny Dykes, and also when you've kind of got some dudes, and the, probably the 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 best recruit like recruiting class, or like I guess the best uh, like group of talent at the skill position he's going to have, or he's had so far in the last like four or five years. Yeah, well said. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, <laughs> um. All right. Anyway, speaking of well said, um, yeah. Okay, Lastly. well, we'll transition out of this. Um, so the the rest of the show, thank you for joining us. This is a fantastic time as always. You guys are great. Um, make sure you leave a five-star review. Now we're back on Apple. Uh, we are also on Spotify. All of those good things. Leave us a five-star review um, wherever you can. Follow us along, like Tyler said, on all the social media. And then also um, for, what do you call it, um, for the YouTube channel. I'll tell you what. Go to our Twitter page real quick, Tyler, because I think you posted the number in our bio. Here's something we can start doing right now because I can't wait for this to start happening during the season, and that is go ahead and leave us a voicemail right now of what you're most excited about or um, your your bold predictions. Maybe we don't have to hear from only Georgia fans, but have yourself some drinks this weekend. The next time you, you, you're feeling super, super feisty or excited or ramped up, amped up for the season, go ahead and call the number. Leave us a voicemail, and, and we'll start putting this on air. What's the number, Tyler? The number is – I was trying to get there as fast as I could. 424-430-0045. Again, 424-430-0045. Leave us a voicemail. I'll have to go back in and re-record and call it Saturday Football Uncensored. But Yes. Um, but, yeah, we'll We're looking do that. forward then, to getting your calls. Yeah. And and the on the way out of here, make sure you guys stay tuned for the last you know 16, 17 minutes. We have a great interview with message board geniuses or message board genius from Twitter. Hilarious account, dude that just loves college football like all of us, and just 
scours the internet for the most absurd, ridiculous takes that you could see on message boards. Really fun interview. Glad we could do that with him. And uh, until next time, we'll just see you then, guys. Yeah, thanks for listening. All right, we are now joined by a very special guest. Um, I, I don't even, like, so this feels weird because I'm calling you by your account name, and I'm not looking at you. Um, so this very much, I don't want to say it's a glory hole situation because that's that's the worst example I could have possibly come up with. So now I feel weird even bringing up, <laughs> should we just start this over or should we just never talk again? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, message board genius. Hey, thanks for having me on. Hey, don't worry. I'm, I'm I went on Paul so Feinbaum. what I just said. I went on Paul Feinbaum and he had the same reaction. He didn't quite know who he was talking to or why he couldn't call me by my name. So you're not alone. I'm, I wonder if Paul said the glory hole joke as well, because that probably was something that I could have done without um, and will haunt my dreams forever. But um, no, that's awesome. So like I, you are, you're one of my favorite people to follow and a favorite accounts on Twitter. Like first and foremost, just kind of give everyone like a little background of what it is you do um because i know that everyone's on twitter definitely not on twitter eight hours a day like i am um so kind of just explain to the listeners who might not know who you are what it is that you do and how you came up with this whole idea well essentially um i will tweet out message board posts um from mostly college football uh, message boards from different accounts just absurd, crazy uh, message board posts that I find or funny message board posts that I find. So I will uh, typically find those and tweet those out. Most of them will get sent to me um, by people. They'll either email them to me or just send it to me in DMs. Um, and then I'll, I'll tweet them out. Um, and so, I mean, I kind of just got started doing it because I, I always think it's funny uh, to see how seriously some people take things and just to hear... Um, some of the crazy stuff that people will put on the internet when they don't have to put their name or their face to, uh, to an account. It's funny. That's a good point. I, I will also say too, it's like when you said stuff that you hear, my immediate thought was like, it's way worse that they're putting it in writing. And I know that they're not putting their face or name attached to most of them, but it just cracks me up because like, I'll see these posts and it'll, be like, it'll just be the most absurd shit. And, and the thing is I've been on message words long enough I can tell from like what you're posting, I would say 90% of the stuff that you're posting is an actual real thought someone's having and not trolling. Like an actual real internal meltdown that's happening in, in like the off season of college football. I can't even wait to see what happens during the actual season. It like, it like, t- like but getting into that, like this off season hasn't been anything that's been that crazy. There's been realignment stuff. We haven't had like a Jimbo and Saban moment though, or anything ridiculous like that. What's been the most absurd thing that you have seen this off season, whether it be like one post or a fan base or what? Oh man, there's a, there's a lot. It's going to be tough to choose. I mean, I'll give you just a couple of my favorites from the off season. Um, one was uh, actually from a Rutgers board, which I know it's, <laughs> I know. I know it's Rutgers, right? Uh, because most of the crazy stuff will come from your usual suspects. But uh, yeah. there was a, a post on the Rutgers board uh, about how they should try to get Elon Musk to sponsor the athletic department because they think that they could get enough money from him to make themselves a contender. Um, and they had uh, some real funny things in that post about what they would do with his uh, with his donations. Uh, that one was funny. Um there were some Alabama fans who 
were wanting Nick Saban fired. They thought he was he'd gone off the rails. Um, oh God! And, and most of that came to pass uh, during the basketball season when he, with the whole Brandon Miller thing, and Nick Saban right. spoke out a little bit after that, and they were upset, saying, you know, maybe it's time Saban. Uh, he's already taken the football program down. Don't let him take the basketball program down with him. <laughs> kind of a post. Yeah, we're just in the depths of hell right now with both of those programs, <laughs> with the two-loss season and then the number one overall ranking they had. That's that is yep. like, I, I don't I don't want to say that like I don't want this to happen, but like as somebody that has been on Alabama message boards for a long time and grew up in that kind of fandom, I don't again I do not want this to happen because it's my favorite team. But bro, your your numbers would go through to the fucking moon if. Alabama went like eight and four this season and Saban retired. Oh, there's no doubt about it. You know, when I first started doing this, that's when, you know, Alabama was winning every single game and I'd heard bad things right. about Alabama fans. And I said, well, you know, I'd read the boards. They're not that bad, but they didn't really right. have it. They didn't have anything to melt down about. And then last year, I mean, between Bill O'Brien and uh, uh, Golding, I mean, it was a rough go for him for a while. They wanted everybody fired. Like, you know, it's funny because the when a game starts, if a team comes in and they get a first down on the first drive, they wanted Pete Golding fired. Um, for right. Giving up a first down on the first drive. Uh, so, you know, that, those are always funny. But um, every that's common across every fan base. I mean, Ohio State fans want Ryan Day fired. And he's like, what, 45 and 6 or something like that? It is – like it cracks me up because I always joke around. Like, you make a good point about the the Bama fans and like the adversity in quotes. Because like my mom will always say, my mom will just be like, you know, you have just really grown and matured. Because I remember when you were way younger, you would freak out and just go off the handle if Bama lost, and you just don't do that anymore. I'm like, yeah, because we don't fucking lose. Like, <laughs> it just never happens. Like that, I'm not more mature. I just haven't had to face any kind of adversity in a long time. But the, the part about like Ohio State, I've seen that. I've seen the, the, the Saban stuff. And it's, what's funny to me too is this, is when I first talked to you, we, what we were planning on doing behind the scenes stuff here is we were going to have you on to like do the Big 12 preview. And and that kind of like fell apart with some of like our, our other guests. But then also talking to you, for whatever reason in my head, you were a Big 12 guy. And I was like, yeah, you're a Big 12 guy, right? And you're like, I'm a Mountain West guy. And I was like, no one is a fucking Mountain West guy. <laughs> So it cracks me up because, like, you're a Utah State fan, from what I've what I've gathered, yes. and, and know, and like love college football, like all of us. So you'll post stuff that is just showing all the fan bases at their like peak irrational level, which is brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, and even believe it or not, there are such thing as Utah State fans, and they act the exact same way. Um, <laughs> That's fair. I mean, same way. okay, so. You you touched on this a little bit earlier with the the Bama Golding stuff, and I remember looking at that because like I I was frustrated at times with both those people. You give up fifty one points. You get Bill O'Brien like some of the decisions he made at times were frustrating. You had a top ten offense and and a top ten defense in the country. <laughs> it like like both both of them were statistically ranked to like scoring offense, scoring defense, top ten. I remember one of my favorite things I saw that you posted once was somebody was calling it third and golding, like third and Grantham. And Bama's third down defense last year was the lowest it had been since like twenty sixteen or twenty fifteen. It, it right. was like ridiculous. Um so it's irrational and delusional. Like 
I know that whoever wins this title comes it has to come from the SEC, but who's what are like who's the most delusional fan base? I mean, delusional, and this might be some real recency bias um, with everything that's going on right now, but the first one that comes to mind is Utah fans. Um, in this really? Well, I mean, in this whole conference realignment, I mean, Utah is going to be stuck with really the choice to either go to the Big 12 or go to the Mountain West, and they're kind of just thumbing their nose at the, at the Big 12 like they're too good uh, for the teams that are in the Big 12 forgetting that they were in the Mountain West, what, like 10 years ago, 11 years ago? Yeah, tops, like a decade plus. <laughs> yeah, and the other one would maybe be Miami fans. Um, okay. I think they they thought with Crystal Ball uh, coming in that they were just going to start rolling people uh, in year one. Um, right. So uh, those would be the, the two right now. I mean, look, that said, almost everybody in the SEC is delusional. <laughs> <laughs> the most- Quote, Clip that. <laughs> but I mean that in, in a very loving way. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, I think objectively speaking, they should know that by now. Like, like that's one of the things I said about when Texas and Oklahoma were coming to SEC. One of the reasons why they're a great fit is because those fans are as <laughs> arrogant and obnoxious and, like, everyone lives in this bubble where, like, only our team matters and – we don't give a shit about anyone. Like we're not going to give credit to any other teams. Like that, that's been one of my favorite things too. Is and you posted some of the stuff that I've seen for years. Let's talk about Clemson for a second oh, because yeah. Clemson, their message boards are wild. With like, even now they're like so and so's paying paying this person. It's like, guys, I don't know how to tell you this, but everyone's fucking paying somebody because that's that's the world we live in now. What what is like, what has Clemson been like? Kind of going through the same thing that that. Uh, that Bama has gone through. Yeah, I mean, they, they really struggled. They had a good scapegoat, though, in uh, DJ Ugielele. How do you say his last name? Yeah. I mean, he kind of took – there you go. I mean, he kind of took the brunt of, of everything there. So he was kind of the lightning rod and kind of shielded everybody. But Dabo, I mean, there were some saying that, you know, maybe Dabo, it's time for him to uh, move on. Uh, but for the most part, it was – it was DJ and the opposite coordinator. I think Streeter was his name that kind of took right. most of the, the, so that's kind of eased up, but they do have this attitude of, Hey, everyone's cheating and we're doing it the right way. Dabo does everything the right way and everyone else cheats. And it's kind right. of good versus evil, uh, them versus, versus the world kind of a thing. So they do, they do carry that attitude a little bit. It's funny though. Yeah. I love that. Um, Okay, here's what I want to do. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna get you out of here because I know that we we don't have a lot of time. You've been kind enough to join us, and we really appreciate it. You're, like I said, one of my favorite accounts on Twitter, um, and overall really good person from what I know. Uh, so don't let me down there. But <laughs> here is here we'll play two games. The first one is I'm gonna tell you a fan base, and I want you to rank them one out of ten. You know what? Here we'll do a scale of one to 2007 Britney Spears level of crazy. Okay. And you tell me where they fall on that scale. Like Britney Spears 2007 shaving her head would be a 10. Right. Um, <laughs> okay. So I'll give you Georgia. Where would Georgia fall on that? Man, it's tough to say when in back to back natties because you're kind of justified in being uh, a little bit crazy 
I'll give right. them. I'll put them at just a three because they bark at people. <laughs> Very fair. Very fair. Um, okay, here's here's one that's had a bunch of recent success, and this will shock you, but it's already gone to their heads, uh, as well as sent some of their rival fan bases into a fucking absolute meltdown for no reason. Auburn. Where would Auburn rank on the crazy scale? Oh man, they're they're 2007 Britney Spears, and they're wild, man. And I say that I love that. I, I say that with this caveat. I went to a game at Auburn once, and it was my favorite place that I've ever gone to a game. Uh, but the fans on the on the message boards are absolutely nuts. Okay, so also side note here, and I meant to ask this earlier, but what it like? What is the wildest thing that you've come across on the message board, and then? And been like, oh man, that's that's fucking ridiculous. And then it like actually come true. Man, I, there's been a few, and I don't know that they were totally outlandish because they obviously came true, so they weren't uh, super outlandish. But there was a, right. For example, there was one guy on the Auburn board who, I mean, he came out and said the day and time that uh, Brian Harson was going to get fired, um, and that came to pass. Uh, there was there was a guy on the Oklahoma board of all places, who months before Gary Patterson got fired, uh, said he was going to get fired. I mean, retired, fired. I don't know what the term was, but he yeah, had that month, months before it happened. Uh, people have been been calling this FSU Clemson to the Big Ten for a while, and that's probably going to happen. Uh, that's insane so, to me. So yeah, I, I mean, those are the only ones that really come to mind. I probably miss some. Okay. There. That's fair. Yeah, Ole Miss kind of went through some shit. All yeah, right. The, um, okay. Go ahead. No, as I say, the Chris Beard uh, basketball at the Ole Miss, they were calling that from the jump, uh, and it happened. Wow. That, yeah, I, I, honestly, that, that was like a shock to me. Um, let me give you a couple more teams that we're going to get out of here on this last game I, I want to play because I think it would be fun looking into this uh, crystal ball of the season. Okay. Uh, give me give me Nebraska on a scale of 1 to 2007, Brittany. Uh, they're probably right in the middle. They ha- they're fairly okay. self-aware. They're a little crazy, but they're fairly self-aware. I'd put them somewhere right in the middle. I don't know what the middle would be there, uh, but I'd put them right there. Okay. And um, shit, let's think here. Last but not least, Oregon. Holy cow. Oregon is probably three quarters of the way to 2007 Britney Spears. <laughs> They seem to think that Phil it's like Knight Kevin is... Federline, Britney Spears. <laughs> yeah, they seem to think Phil Knight is going to solve all the problems. It's just call Uncle Phil, uh, and uh, he'll get it done for us. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I love that. All right, last one here, and we'll get you out, man. I appreciate it. Um, I'm going to ask you to predict some stuff, and you can go with it however you want. Which fan base will have the biggest meltdown? Like, if, if this happens... What board are you going to first, or what do you think would actually be said? And you can be as imaginative and creative as possible because it's not reality yet. But I'm going to give you two or three scenarios, and you tell me what you think would happen on the message boards afterwards, okay? Okay. A&M goes five and seven. Holy cow. Well, obviously, Jimbo fired. They're going to come up with all sorts of different ways to come up with $95 million to buy out Jimbo. Um, and probably try to hire Art Bryles, maybe. Uh, <laughs> That's good. Okay. Perfect. I kind of wanted to end it on that. Um, 
Okay. Let's, okay. Let me let's do this. Let's do this. Ohio State loses to Michigan for a third straight year. Oh, the apocalypse. The internet will will break if that happens. I want I just want to fast forward the college football season to that game because for me that's the only game that matters uh for the entire year. Oh. Because honestly, Ohio State fans will absolutely melt down if they lose to Michigan. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. They're melting down pretty much now. Yeah, they already want him fired. Um, And the thing is, I think they more than likely would turn around and play him again in the next week in the championship game. So I don't know how that that would work. But uh, that's the one game I've got circled for sure. I love that. Um, Okay, last but not least, I'm going to give you two scenarios you can choose, whichever one. Okay. Auburn beats Georgia or, or Bama. Or, because I know this was probably the height of the message boards in the offseason for, for this team, Auburn and Ole Miss, Kiffin beats, I don't, know, I don't know which scenario is better, but just the, the aftermath of an Auburn-Ole Miss, I don't, even, I, don't, I don't know which game, I don't know which turnout or, or would be, or end result would be the worst for that game. But like, say Auburn beats Ole Miss. What is the meltdown going to be either on Oxford and how how arrogant, how much are they going to be beating their chest on the Auburn message boards? Well, there's, I think there's already a contingent of Ole Miss fans who are somewhat fed up with Lane Kiffin uh, and kind of wanted him to go to Auburn in the first place. So yeah. there would definitely be a lot of fire Lane Kiffin vibes and they'd probably be blaming that he doesn't pay enough attention to game planning and spends too much time on Twitter with his dog, Knox. Um, and, I First mean, off, Auburn, his son is named Knox, but I, I appreciate son. you recognizing the dogs are, well, are, are kids. Wait, what's what's his dog's name? Doesn't he have a dog Juice. on Twitter? Juice. He does. Sorry, Knox. I was talking about <laughs> Juice. Sorry, Knox. Yeah. <laughs> Knox is the big listener of the show because we drop the F-bomb like every three minutes. Oh. Sorry about that. And then, I mean, Auburn, they're already half. They probably, I think they have a statue halfway built of you freeze already. They would just have to finish the statue if they beat him. I think they've at least got it from up to the waist uh, done. They just yeah, got, which is really like the only part of his body that he thinks with in the first place. So that's kind of perfect. <laughs> that's true. But I think they would probably finish the statue. Uh, yeah, if, that's fair. If you were to beat they're pretty high on him right now. Man, we appreciate you having having you on and you you joining us. And and I, I think we're gonna have to clip the Auburn part for sure, because um, that was great. But I know that you just started doing a podcast. Um, tell everyone the handle they can find you on for social media, whether it be Twitter, whether it be Instagram, um, anywhere like that. But also tell us about the podcast you have and and where they can find that as well. All right. So the Twitter is at Board Geniuses, um, and the uh, podcast I do um, is at at the MBG podcast. Uh, we do that once a week where we just uh, read crazy message board posts and laugh at them. Um, so we're there once a week. So look for us there. Love it, love it, man. Well, listen, we'll have to have you on again during the season when some kind of crazy shit inevitably happens. Uh, we appreciate it, and we will talk to you soon. All right, thanks for having me.